Hey, good morning. Hey, if, you, if you're new, I also just want to welcome you. I'm, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. Really glad that you're uh, worshiping with us today. And, and um, I have this, I, I don't know if hobby is the right word. I don't know if side project's the right word. But I have this thing that I do where I, one, of the, one of the things I really like to do is I like to help uh, people that I know uh, plan their Disney trips they go to, if they go to Disney World, right? So if you know me, we've probably talked about this before. If you don't, it's fine. Um, our family really is into Disney World. We we go every every couple of years. We have we have a great time. And the thing, one of the things I really like about it is is there's a system that if you use, you know how to do. You you can win. And to me, that's what Disney World and life and everything is about. It's about it's about winning, right? It's about winning and and dominating all the people who were who were there at Disney World. And anyway, so I, I like it. Basically, what I, what I found out about myself is I really like busy vacations because busy vacations help me really stop thinking about all the things that I'm trying to vacation from. So anyway, so then people find out, you know, that um, that we like Disney World and, and suppose that we've, we found this, this system and these tricks and things. You know, you get all these different reactions. One of them, which, which of course I like, is when people say, hey, will you, will you help me? Will you help me fi- figure some things out? And, and we're always glad to. It, it's fun. I like to win. If I like you, I want you to win. So I'll do that. And some people, obviously, you know, you'll find some people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm totally into it too. And you can kind of trade secrets with them and that's fun and most most reactions are like the one that you're having right now which is this guy's weird um i wonder what you think about other churches and what their times are i get that this guy you know it's just weird it's weird to have a a grown man into disney world right i understand but a very common reaction too is is when you get an angry rant from somebody right who has been to disney world and declared it to be not the happiest place on earth but the closest to hell you can get in, in, in this life, right? And, 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 and they go on a good, good rant about it, about their experience, and I appreciate a good rant, and it doesn't hurt my feelings, you know, um, and, you know, so I, 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 I like it. I'll, I'll, listen. I'll listen to it. And what they'll describe is, on, on some level, is, you know, I was at Disney World, we got there, I thought right when the park opened, and we were there for 12 hours, it was hot, and all these people, and we, we were in line for like seven hours, and we rode like five things. And I'm like, oh, man, that does sound terrible. I'm thinking, you're one of the people that I dominate every, every time that we go. But I, but I get it. I get it. If, if you told me that what I had to do on vacation was to stand out in the hot and be in a crowd and stand in lines all day and go to an amusement park but not be able to ride much, I, I would hate that too. But the, but the thing is, is again, there, there are ways around this, and, 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 and we see this. I see this, the rant that you give. I see it in, in the people that are there. And there's uh, one story in particular that, that, that I like. We were, we were in Animal Kingdom, which is one of the parks, and I was running across the park, you know, just blasting past all the losers to go, to, to go do this one thing over here. My family was over here. I had to go do this, come back. Anyways, as I'm, as I'm, as I'm blowing past these people, right, there's there's a, there's mom she's pushing kid in stroller and and in, and in front of him is dad and dad's got the map holding it out like this and that's the first sign that somebody is that that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you really bad is you gotta have the map in your head already right you just gotta already have the map right so he's got the map and as I'm right past him I hear her say she's pushing the kid you better figure this out because this is getting ridiculous and I'm like. And like, you're like, you're like, you're like, I want to I help, and then I'm also like, I also don't want like, that, that energy to get focused on me. So I, I kept going. Um, but sometimes, you know, 
I, I, I do I do try to help people, you know, you know, give them a little bit of advice, try to be a good Samaritan. Hey, you know, actually, you probably shouldn't do that right now. You should probably do this instead, okay? Like, like I'm trying not to be that guy, but at the same time, it hurts sometimes to hear people doing this. And, and then this last trip, you know, this person wasn't angry yet, but I, I could see it coming. Because we got, again, same park, and there's this, there's this ride. It's the most popular ride at uh, Animal Kingdom. It's based on the Avatar movie or whatever. So the park was open at 8 for people who were staying on property. Opens for everybody at 9. So we got there super early. We had already ridden this awesome ride. We were heading out to the, to, the, to the other part of the park. And it's just before 9. And these people are walking towards us. And they say, oh, it's almost 9. Everybody's going to get here. We should go get in line for this ride that's really popular. We should go get in line for it now. Before the lines get bad, we've got plenty of time. It's 8.56. And they are 30 seconds away from the beginning of an incredible, miserable day. Because the line of this thing that they're just about to just pop onto is already two hours. Right? And so they have this overwhelming optimism about how on top of things they are, and they're about to walk into a two-hour line, which is just going to dominate the rest of their day. It's just going to put them in a bad mood. And, and I'm like, and the, and the deal is, right, really on their smartphone and, and all over the Internet, I mean, there are these tools, these things that if, if you have access to that... Um, can, can make all the difference in the world and can turn Disney World to, to, to the least happy place on earth to, a, to an awesome thing. If you, if you only knew, if you only had these tools and knew how to use them and had this plan and all these things, it could be amazing. But instead, people are just kind of going there, just hoping for the best and, and having these terrible experiences. And, and what I think is, is this is a metaphor for the way most of us are living life. I think most of us are living life, and we are settling for something significantly less than. And I say, well, you tell me what you think life is like, and, and, and we're going to talk about struggle, and we're going to talk about pain, and we're going to talk about monotony, and we're going to talk about all these things that just kind of like drag us down. When really, we have access to something. We have access to God's presence and His power that would allow us to experience a life just a little bit above, or actually way above, this ordinary thing that we've settled for. But because we won't take it, because we don't know, we end up describing life sometimes the way that the, that the people describe Disney World. There's too many people, it's miserable, I'm sweating too much. All right. And that's what life feels like. When in reality, there's a life that God has made available to us that, that is, that's incredible. And so today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And um, we've been doing in this series, we've been kind of work, we're working our way through the Old Testament, just kind of picking some random kind of stories, not particularly random. I mean, you know, we're kind of working our way through the timeline, just kind of some stories that don't necessarily get talked about a lot or some that do, but we don't really kind of, we're kind of missing some of the main points. So we've been kind of doing this for the month of July and we've been doing it in the Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament here. And so where we are is the very beginning of Acts. So in your New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are called the four gospels, which tell the story of Jesus. And sometimes people can, can think this or, or, or not know, and I, and I want to say this and no one ever has to be embarrassed. You read Matthew, and then you read Mark, and you're like, I think I read this already, okay? 
it is, it's the same story four times. Jesus didn't live four times and die four times, right? It's, it's the same story told from a different perspective. So don't be embarrassed, now you know, right? So that's what the Gospels are. And then after Jesus dies, he, he, he comes back to life, essentially to declare to the world that he is exactly who he said he was. He has power over life and death. He is the Son of God. And now he's got to spend a few days with his followers telling them what's next. Because up until this point, the people who were following Jesus were doing so in a very literal way. Following Jesus meant Jesus is here, and, and then he goes there, and you're like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to follow him there, right? I'm just literally going to follow him. So he's explaining to them what it means to follow me when you can't literally follow me. I'm not going to be here anymore. So he's been meeting with them, talking to them, and basically saying, you know, God's about to do this really new thing. And I, and I, I want to tell, tell you what it's like and, and what you need to experience, what you're going to experience and what your job is going to be. And here's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what he's describing here is that the Holy Spirit, God himself, the, the, the Spirit is going to come into, baptize, immerse, kind of come over and overwhelm all of you in an individual way, which was very new because there was, there was a time in the Old Testament where we talk about individual people being filled with God's Spirit, but it was a unique and special experience. And what Jesus is saying here is and this is going to be something that's just going to happen to certain prophets at certain seasons, but God's Spirit is going to come onto everyone. But, but first, but first you have to go to Jerusalem and wait. And then he describes the Great Commission, uh, which we're going to talk about in a, in a series here in a few weeks. Basically he says, hey, listen, and then you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to take the message of who I am and the life that you can have with God and, and, and this idea of how you can be saved through my death and resurrection, you're going to take that, you're going to be my witnesses all over Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and ultimately to the very ends of the earth. So, so God's going to do this awesome thing, and the Spirit's going to overwhelm you. And then through that, you're going to go out and be my witnesses. And this is kind of the, this commission that he gives. This awesome thing's going to happen. But, go back to verse 4, what he says before all, oh yeah, that's going to happen. Is but be sure to not leave here. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. So this awesome thing is going to happen, but first they're going to have to wait. And honestly, as I sit here and I think about trying to describe to you how awesome it is and the overwhelming power and awesome things that God can and will do in and through your life, before we get even to talking about that, I, I think maybe one of the most important principles that a 21st century American can wait. It's found right here, long before anything really cool happens, where Jesus tells him to wait. Because I think maybe one of the best lessons that any of us in here can learn is to embrace the spiritual discipline of waiting. Now maybe for them, first century Jewish men and women, maybe it wasn't a big deal to them at all. Maybe Jesus says, wait. Maybe they understood that. Maybe they understood what waiting meant, and they were, they were totally okay with it. But I, I initially, my, my first thought, I, I see that, and I'm like, why? 
you're God, you're already right here, you know the thing that you want to do, you're not trying to figure it out, you don't have to wait for your powers to charge up, and you're not coming up with a plan, just, just whatever it is the thing you're going to do, just do it. That's not what he says, you've got to wait, and I, don't, and I don't like it. And so here's, here's how bad I am at this, like, here's, here's a discipline that I'm trying to, to do in my own life to help. Like, if, like if, if, I, if I'm the last person, like the first person that has to stop at a stoplight, the person in front of me got to go, but then I have to stop, I'm like, 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 like my day's ruined, right? It's like I get this, this reaction. It's like, okay, maybe me being, what, 30 seconds delayed in the place that I want to go? Maybe not even at all. Maybe the people that are in front of me, they're getting stopped the next one. It doesn't matter. I tell myself, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe I'm avoiding something bad by just waiting a little bit. I'm just telling myself, it's okay. And another 30 seconds or two minutes of me waiting here is not that big a deal. That's how bad I am. One rotation of a stoplight and, 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 and so but here's the thing. I, I, I have experience, though, that waiting on God to do something, there's actually incredible blessing in that. The thing that he does, like when, when, when the waiting is over is amazing, but even the thing that he's doing in you while you're waiting and so for, for me, the challenge in this is not to, to, to figure out, oh, I need to come up with a good waiting story. It's like, which one of my overwhelming number of waiting stories do I tell you? And, and to me, I, mean, I could have gone with a relatively obscure one, but I had, I had to go with the gold one, um, which has to do with our family. And um, we, we, for, for the longest time, for 11 years, our family was Heidi and I and our two daughters, Maylie and Lauren. And um, when Lauren was born, our, our, our second daughter... Um, we never went back. We never went back on birth control. We always knew. We had a very strong sense from, from the Lord that he wanted us to keep building a family. And so we, we, we kept trying to have a third, a third child. And, and, for, and for 10 years, 10 years, nothing. And, I, and I'm telling you, there's just this sense of, just of, of ache and loss and, and confusion and my wife experienced it at a completely different level than I did. And there was this, there was this annual reminder, and, and, and of, we had this Christmas decoration thing that Heidi's mom had given us that was a snowman with five mittens on it, and it had everybody's name on the mitten. And every year we pull this thing out, and there's this empty mitten, right? And it was just this sense, this... this. And then uh, 11 years later, this... This baby is born, and we become her foster parents. And for uh, and she's just this joy in our life. And 11 months later, we had the, the overwhelming great privilege of adopting her, and she's a part of our family. And we walk around, you know, now we're that weird family where you can't, you know, you see them at a restaurant, you can't figure out who, what their deal is, right? There's them, and then there's that, but then there's that. Like, what, what is that? And, you know, the older two think, I, the people are trying to figure out which one of us is her mom, right? And... And, and, and we don't look normal, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's been this overwhelming, incredible blessing. And every year of those 11 years and every, every pain that we went through was worth the payoff in the end, every bit of it. I would not, I would not trade anything. I would not trade any, any bad thing that had happened in the curvy road that led us between then and where, and where we are right now. It has been six, almost seven now years of overwhelming blessing. And I can't wait to see what God is going to continue to do. 11 years is a long time to wait. He tells them to wait. How long? Weeks? Days? 
hours, months, years? Yeah, sure. Don't know. Just wait. And and and, and this awesome thing's gonna happen. And I'm telling you, we as a people, we're gonna have to figure this out. Because there's something in your life, there's some, there's some burden that you have, some struggle that you're having, some promise that you believe that you have from God, some life that's out there that God wants for you, and you're not experiencing it, and God's like, it's okay, it's coming, just wait. And, and you think, how long, how long am I going to have to wait? I just can't do it anymore. And what if one of these people, the day before the awesome thing happened, had said, yeah, I, I just... I think we must have misheard him. And then they leave, and they miss out. I think that's what we're doing. I think we're giving up too soon. When God has something incredible for you, and and it's right there. But we have to wait. So we continue on with this story, and it gets to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And verse 1 says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And so Pentecost was a, f- a festival that they celebrated 50 days after Passover, called the Festival of Weeks. And then so what happens is, is, that, is that people from all over are coming to Jerusalem to worship, people who are following the Jewish faith, so Jews that, are, that have left uh, Israel and other places or people who have converted. They're all here, so there's people from all over the world here in Jerusalem in this moment, which begins to make sense why God would want them to wait, because this awesome thing, he wanted this thing to happen when everybody was already there. Verse 2, and then suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So they're all together, and, and they're together, and, and this thing happens where these things that look like fire tongues come and rest on each one of them. And then what happens is they all begin to speak in languages that they don't know. And so then people are hearing that, and they're like, what is that noise? And all of a sudden you hear your language. I don't know if you've ever been to a foreign country, but it's like you're walking around and everybody speaks a different language, and then suddenly you hear English, and you're like, that's my new best friend. Was that right? And, um, and and so that's what happens. They're like, man, that, that's not that's not that's not Aramaic. That's not that's not Hebrew. What what is happening here? And so people are drawn to this. Verse seven. Utterly amazed, they ask, "Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia." Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Which, I got some questions about, I don't know what, you, I don't know what they think alcohol does, I don't know what you think alcohol does, but it does not make you give the ability to speak another language just does it. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, which 
it's the funniest line in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there are so many different ways to answer that. We're not drunk. We don't do that. We're not drunk. We're godly people. What are you even talking about? He's like, eh, totally not. I mean, what, 1030 maybe. But like nine, I mean, come on. It's too early. Come back later. Uh, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he quotes this passage from Joel where it's talking about that, you know, uh, that the Holy Spirit's going to do this new thing and all these people are going to be able, the Spirit's going to overwhelm and God's going to do all these miraculous things through people. And that's what this is. And it's connected to this guy, Jesus, who, who was recently killed and died for your sins and has now come back to life and has now empowered us through his Spirit. And you need to repent and believe. And in that moment, 3,000 people give their life and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And a movement that really at that moment was about 70 people that were following Jesus went from 70 people to 3,070 people in one incredible moment where God's Spirit and His power showed up in this overwhelming, awesome way. So here's what I want you to hear. That God's power and His blessing are limitless. It's an incredible story. God's power shows up and the blessing that he puts on them and does through them is overwhelming and indescribable, well beyond anything that any of them could have ever imagined. It was huge and big and and, and amazing what God did. And here's the thing that happens. I think too often when when a Bible study or on a Sunday morning, we talk and look at passages like this and the thing that we start with are all the, the, the qualifications. Well, I mean, but sometimes this, and sometimes this, but we need to make sure you understand this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and sometimes it doesn't happen for this, and sometimes this, and sometimes this. But if you can get past all these other things, sometimes God does something pretty cool. And our problem is, we don't start with the foundational, fundamental belief that the power of God is limitless, and His desire to bless is limitless. And that we have a God of great power and great blessing. Because what happens is, we start with all the qualifiers. Why sometimes God doesn't do this awesome thing? And why this doesn't happen? Well, sometimes this, got to be like this, you got to do this, you got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And then even then, still sometimes God goes, nah. And what happens then is the limiting factor on God doing something amazing in your life is not the self-imposed limits that God is doing for His own reasons. The real limit on the experience of what we see of God in our life is our own lack of faith and trust in that God. We are worshiping and following some less than God who either doesn't love us enough or isn't strong enough to do something incredible and awesome in our life. Now, I say all that I say all this thing about how God has this overwhelming power to bless. And you have stories in the past, and many of you have stories in the present, where you would like to say, I have an objection to that, and here's my story. Now, when God doesn't show up in the way that we think that He should, or maybe even the way that we believe that He's promised, that is a good time for theological reflection. Maybe we just need to go back to the thing we've already said. Maybe God's trying to teach you the discipline of waiting. Maybe God's got some completely different thing that He's working that we don't quite understand yet. It's a great time for theological reflection. 
to think about the what's and why's of why God may be doing this particular thing because it helps us learn more about us. It helps us learn more about God. It deepens and strengthens our faith. And all of that is very important. But at the same time, I want to make sure that we're not already starting as we're in a particular journey or story with God, a particular season with God, that we're already starting with the idea that God, for for lack of power or lack of interest, is not going to show up. When in fact, God's power and His desire to bless are not the limits. And we want to make sure that we're not the limit. And then, as I just learn to trust God, as I learn what it means to wait, I expect God at His moment to show up and do something incredible. Not show up and do something ordinary. Not show up and do something routine. But to show up and do something that I never expected. Again, compared to this, the, the adopting of a girl may not be as quite as overwhelming a story, but it is to our family. And I'm telling you, it is a greater story than any of the normal stories we could have had one year, three years, five years, ten years earlier. It was greater than anything that we could imagine. And it required a significant amount of waiting. Now, sometimes we're sitting here in church and I'll preach a certain passage or whatever that's controversial in some circles. And I'll just blow past it like it's not controversial. And then you ask me later, it's like, why didn't you talk about this? It's like, I don't want to get into these petty little fights that some Christians get into. And I didn't want to tell people that this passage is controversial if they didn't know it already. I just don't. Maybe you don't know. We can just keep going past. And he's like, oh, man, I really don't. But sometimes you feel like you've got to say something. Because what and how the Holy Spirit moves in Christians' lives is a matter of some controversy in some circles. And this is a passage and an idea that some churches like to fight about. And I want to start with this. We don't fight with other churches. It's not what we do. We talked about this in Ephesians a few few months ago. Our battle is not with other people. Our battle is a spiritual battle. and, And our desire is to help people who don't know Christ, not to fight with people who already do. We just don't do that. But there is this bit of, of a divide. There seems to be one, one group of people who says that this particular experience that, that these disciples had, everyone is supposed to have an experience like that. And I think that's a response to a problem that they see, which is a lack of power and belief in an awesome, powerful God. And so in response to that, they came up with this idea that everybody's experience is supposed to be like this. And then in response to this, there's this group of people who says, well, my experience isn't like that, and so I don't think anybody has an experience like that, so I doubt that the thing that you're doing is even valid. And so then we just fight with each other. Okay? And and the thing that both of these things have in common is that they're both trying to tell you very specifically in advance what God's going to do. You're not ever going to get that from me. Ever. Because I don't know. Except I know that God wants to do something incredible in your life. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. What? I don't know. But I know that whatever idea I had would be somewhat less than the thing that God actually does in your life. Because here's the thing. God has placed gifts in you. Supernatural abilities to do incredible things. He's placed them in you and He wants to do something incredible in your life. 
something that you've never experienced before, something that you've never done before, a blessing that you've never experienced before. The presence of God has been placed in your life to make a difference in this world. And at some point, at some points in your life, you're going to see God do something incredible in you. But you need to make sure about this. Because anytime we talk about the overwhelming blessing of God, you can know for sure, write it down, you don't need to know next time. You can, just, you can write this point down next time without it having to pop up on your TV. If God's going to bless you, it's always with the purpose of blessing others. Always. God blesses you to bless others. That's the awesome part of the story. It was really cool. I'm sure it was really cool to sit around in that room and be like, dude, you got a fire tongue on your head. <laughs> and to suddenly start speaking some version of Arabic. Right? That had to be really cool. I don't know this language. This is cool. But that wasn't the point. The point was to attract a crowd, a crowd that God had already placed there, to attract that crowd so they could hear the gospel, so that 3,000 people could give their life to Jesus Christ and this new church could start on that day. That was the point. And all throughout Scripture, when God talks about spiritual gifts and the power of the Spirit, it is always in connection with the thing that He is wanting to do in your life through your life and the lives of other people. 1 Corinthians 12 says spiritual, the Spirit is for the common good, spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4 says that the reason for the spiritual gifts is that the body may be built up. 1 Peter 4 says that the reason for this is to serve others. I think some of us are missing out on the blessing because we don't know how to wait. I think some of us are missing out on the blessing because we're asking God to bless the wrong things. Because we are still living with a very selfish mindset. I want God to do this thing for me. I want God to do an awesome thing through me. I want God to do an awesome thing to me, not for me. And there's a difference. There's a difference between God doing an awesome thing to you, doing an awesome thing through you, than God doing an awesome thing for you. Now, He's a good God and He'll do awesome things for you. I'm telling you, we're going to have to figure out how to break this selfish mindset. And I need to realize and recognize, and I need to live my life in such a way where I believe and understand that my life is first and foremost about Him, and then about Him using me to make a difference in the lives of people that He's put around me. And if I can learn how to wait, and if I can learn how to get my life and my priorities in the right order, then what we'll see is the power and presence and blessings of God showing up in ways that we never thought was possible. So let's spend some time. Let's just spend some time praying together. Let's spend some time reflecting. Let's pray for each other. That especially those of us who are struggling right now, that no longer have the ability to wait. Can we just pray that for each other? That we would just hang in there a little bit longer. And let's pray for each other that God will just kind of break this selfish perspective that we have about life, that my life somehow is about me, and that God is so supposedly, the pur- His purpose is somehow about me. Well, my purpose is about Him, and my purpose is about all of you, and your purpose is about all of them. Let's ask God to do that really cool thing. And then when we've done that,
pray that we'll see just God show up in incredible ways. Doing things through us in this community and all around the world. The, the stories will be told for years to come. Because I believe that is exactly what God is wanting to do with each one of you and with our church in particular. And let's just pray that God will do that. So you can do that as we worship. The prayer team is there in the back. We'd love to pray with you. There's prayer candles. There's a cross you can go pray at. There's communion that is available. And as always, we have an opportunity to give. And I want to highlight this as part of our response time. It just always fits with what we're talking about. If my purpose and my blessing is to bless others, finances is always a great way to do this. God has blessed you financially so that then we, I can take what I've gotten and God can use it to bless the world. And so I just encourage you, let's pray, let's, let's, let's really commit to pray for each other. That we would see God show up. That we would learn to be patient, less selfish, and see God do incredible things. Let me pray. God, I just first, I just, I just want to pray for me. I just, I've been so impatient. God, I know that there's some awesome things that you're wanting to do. And I, also, I just confess, I'm tired of waiting. And so, God, I pray that you would give me the strength to keep waiting for the thing that I know that you're wanting to do. And God, I pray that you would just help me not think about the future and the vision that you have for me and for my life and for our church, to not think of it in selfish terms. And God, I pray that for each one of us. God, there is something that we're needing you to do. There's some things that we're wanting you to do. There's some things, God, that we believe you've promised to do. God, that we're still waiting for. God, whether it's a healing whether it's a restoration of a relationship, whether it's a financial issue, a job issue. God, there's something. We need you. God, I just pray. I pray that you would help us be patient. God, I pray that you would be changing our character, making us more like your son in the process. And God, I pray that we would all live with the anticipation that your power and blessing are real and going to be real in our life in your time, in your way. And God, we thank you for your son who even makes this all possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.